Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today, breaking down news of the day. My contributor is A.B. Burns Tucker, law student and host of I Am Legally Hype. Should be a great breakdown. Top story of the day, all charges have been dropped against the two Atlanta police officers who were charged with killing Mr. Rayshard Brooks. Let me give you a little background to this. First of all, the shooting, the killing itself should not have happened. Let me remind you of the video and then we will get into details surrounding dropping the charges. Here it is. Okay, there's a back and forth. Mr. Brooks has been engaged in conversation. He's now running away from the police. They were attempting to effect an arrest. He was clearly shot in the back. He did have a taser. During the confrontation, he was able to obtain the taser. The taser is not a lethal weapon. Mr. Brooks was running away from the police. Yes, he was trying to avoid arrest. Just because a person may need to see a judge does not mean they need to see their maker. Mr. Rayshard Brooks posed no immediate threat to kill a police officer. And where was he going to go? Not only did they have control of that area, they also had all of his information. They had his address already at that time. They had his vehicle. Where was he going to go? His life could have been preserved. In addition to that, let me be very clear about the premise that these prosecutors used to drop the charges. They have echoed the sentiment that somehow a taser is actually a lethal device. And in the commentary, one of the prosecutors actually provided a Georgia state law and said, according to a Georgia court ruling, not state law, excuse me, a Georgia court ruling, a taser can be considered a lethal device. Here's what the prosecutors did not share with you. The prosecutors did not tell you that the Supreme Court has ruled that tasers are in fact non-lethal devices. What they did not share with you is the fact that the manufacturer that creates the taser, they categorize it as a non-lethal device. What the prosecutors did not share when dropping these charges is that Atlanta police themselves, the department, they consider the taser to be a non-lethal device. As a matter of fact, it is so non-lethal that in order to become taser certified, you must be tasered yourself. That's how non-lethal it is. You know, it is a lethal device, a deadly weapon, a gun. Do police officers have to be shot in order to get a gun? No, because that's a lethal, deadly weapon. But in order to have taser certification, they must be tasered. Isn't this interesting? Let's put up the two cops that have now been exonerated without the requirement of a jury. The Atlanta police officers, Garrett Rolfe on the left and Devin Bronson on the right were involved in the death of Rayshard Brooks. They have now had all charges against them dropped. Rayshard Brooks was shot and killed on June 12, 2020 at a Wendy's parking lot. Now I'm going to do something here because we keep talking about the law as if somehow the law equates to justice, the law equates to righteousness, the law equates to morality. You gotta be very careful here. 
Because just because something has been deemed legal does not mean it is right. A few months before Mr. Brooks was killed, he said this. Some of the system could you know, look at us as individuals. We do have lives, you know, it's just a mistake we made, you know, and not just do us as if we are animals. It's making us as individuals feel like we're locked in boxes. Even though we have been incarcerated, it's hurting us, but it's hurting our family the most. You know, because we have kids, we have jobs, we have a lot of things that, you know, life situations. We are individual people. So as we go through these trials and tribulations, it's, it's, it's hurting our kids and it's, it's, it's taking away from our families. You have to try and go out, you know, make means, you know, and yet my kids, you know, I want to spend some time with my kids, but I really don't have the time, you know. I have to try and go out, you know, make money for this, make money for bills, or try and get myself back on track. It's just a lot of pressure, you know, with, you know, just having all of that on your shoulder and on your back. You know, it's just a lot of pressure. And some people, they just can't deal with it. But here yet, I'm trying. You know, I'm not the type of person to give up. You know, and I'm going to keep going until I make it to where I want to be. <laughs> he was shot and killed by APD. Atlanta police exterminated his life. He was intoxicated. He was asleep inside of his vehicle. He requested for the officers to just let him walk home. He stays down the street, provided his address. He was not driving the vehicle. They engaged with Mr. Brooks for a period of time. When they attempted to effect an arrest, yes, he tried to avoid being arrested. That does not mean he should be dead right now. A prosecutor named Paul Howard was the elected DA of Fulton County. That elected DA said what he saw was murder. And he charged those police officers with that crime. New DA gets elected. The new DA says there's a conflict with her office and she transfers the case to the Attorney General of Georgia, a Republican named Chris Carr, and he appoints conservative prosecutors as special prosecutors. The fix was in at this point, 100%. So one prosecutor sees it one particular way. And then these other prosecutors, they see it completely, completely opposite. There's more. Brooks, 27 years of age, was taking a nap in his car in an Atlanta Wendy's parking lot. When officers came to arrest him for driving under the influence, Brooks asked the officers if he could just walk home instead of getting arrested. Once the officers declined his offer, the exchange between both parties heated up. Brooks did resist arrest, grabbed one of the cops taser as he ran away from both cops. He did fire the taser at the cops, but he was shot and killed in that process afterwards, okay? Now remember, non life threatening situation here. He was one too far away for the taser to do a damn thing to the police. He wasn't trained with the taser. He wasn't going to hit anything, he was running away and he was shot in the back. Let's put up a picture of one of the special prosecutors. His name is Peter Scandalakis, okay? On August 23rd, this special prosecutor that you're looking at, Peter Scandalakis, ruled the officer's decision to shoot Brooks was reasonable. 
He also said, and I quote, both acted as reasonable officers would under the facts and circumstances of the events of that night. Scandalakis said, according to CNN, both acted in accordance with well-established law and were justified in the use of force regarding the situation. Wait a minute, let's be very clear here, okay? Let's be very clear. They're not talking about preservation of life. They're talking about what's allowable under the law. Well, who wrote the laws? And who were the laws designed to protect? Definitely not people like Mr. Brooks. During a press conference, the attorneys for the Brooks family, they spoke up. One of the attorneys said, and I quote, the entire world has seen one finding from a district attorney, pictures, exhibits, breakdowns of videos, finding guilt, finding them at fault. Then today, we watch as a world, as a community, another district attorney or prosecutor finding a totally different result from the same facts. And all of you can understand no matter what you look like, how that's confusing. The things that were argued by the prosecutor to drop the cases should have been elements weighed by a jury. The jury is the fact finder for the case, that's what they do. But the prosecution, the special prosecutor decided to shortstop the process of a jury, to weigh the facts himself and to make a conclusive judgment about charges, reasonable, unreasonable. These are questions for a jury to decide. Not a special prosecutor. A.B., what are your thoughts on this? Well, my first thought is that when you look at the facts of the case, right? You have two police officers and you have one suspect. Now, one police officer may not have a taser, but the other one does. Only one of the suspects has a taser and he was running away. So there were other non-lethal forms to be used to stop the suspect at the time. So the justification of the gunshots is not warranted. On the other hand, you know they want to say that the training was reasonable, right? The what they did um, to Mr. Brooks was reasonable. But when you look at the fact that we have seen very armed and dangerous white suspects come out in police custody and handcuffs, and then you see seemingly nonviolent, right, or non-armed black suspects leave in police custody and body bags. That's when you start to question, what exactly are you training police officers to do? And is it time to reform that training so that it no longer looks like only black suspects are being shot and killed by the police and that's being deemed reasonable? These are issues that the community has. The other part about it is what is the conflict that the DA had this time that the DA before did not have? That this could not have been charged appropriately. We have seen how this has gone down the pipeline. It took over two years to get to this point. And we don't see justice in a situation that we continue to see over and over again. So I'm interested in knowing what was your conflict that you couldn't prosecute this case, but the DA before you saw clear issues to try this case and to charge these officers with what they did. It was murder. Yeah, well said. All right, we're going to continue to follow the story. There's another development that may happen very soon. A civil suit should be coming maybe this week or next week. We'll keep you updated. All right.
What if I told you a cop decided to just walk into a man's home, walk into a person's home and then physically assault the person, no warrant, no justification for being there. Here it is. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm Trooper Wiseman. I'm also recording. What is your problem? Where is your recording device? Doesn't matter. What's your, what's your, what's your issue? Hello, what's your issue? Where is your recording device? Doesn't matter. What's your issue? Do you have an issue or do you not? Yes, I do. Well, then let's hear it. They had a cone in the middle of the road, almost hit it. So you, you go down and so you go down beating on the church, interrupting a service because you because you almost hit a cone in the road. Yes, I did. And that's the problem. Yes, sir. Is that okay? Can you go to your bedroom, please? No, no, you guys stay here. No, it's not okay that you're going down there beating on a church. It is okay. No, actually, it's not okay. Actually, it's against the law. It's against the law. It is against the law to go and beat, beat a Do door. Do you have a recording device on you? I told you. Are you drunk? Are you high? Is something wrong with you? Because I, I told not you drunk. four times. Did you come in my house without my permission? Yes, I sure did. I'm going to follow you. If you go in a house, I'm coming after you. I don't know what you're coming in here. Officers getting shot every single day, and I ain't going to let you well, shoot me. We don't you have understand? any reason to shoot anybody. Well, that's what everybody says. Okay, this cop sounds silly as hell already. I got more video. I have the assault. I have all of it. Let's put up a picture of the cop so you will see exactly who he is. He's a state trooper out of West Virginia. This state trooper, his name is Trooper Rick Wiseman. Okay, this all happened because a man recording knocked on the door of a church service. The man wanted to ask the church to remove a traffic cone blocking the road, okay? But instead, he got this home invasion. There's more. Hello, nice to meet you. Where's your recording device? You've asked me that now six times. What is your name and your body? I already told you that also. No, you didn't? Oh, yes, I did. So are you high or drunk? He's not high or drunk. Then what's wrong with it? very hostile. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm not dealing with this. You have a problem, there's, there was a cone in the road. Yes. Anything else? This is upsetting. No, me. she Good. is not Good. coming there. Why? I want to talk to her. No. Are you going to make a complaint? Or are you just yes, I am. We well, make your what is your name and your badge I've already name. told you that. If you can't remember that, that's on you. You did not, sir. And if you can't read, it's right here, so I don't know what to tell you. Well, what is your ba- name and badge name? There it is. You see it, bub? Come out here. You got your recording right there. Anything else? There's cones in the road. Can I read your name? I don't know. Can you read? Yes, sir. Don't listen, listen I'm, I'm not playing this game with you. you there's, there's a road cone. Is there anything else you would like to discuss? That's I'm the, not going to sit here all day and play games with you. That's the only problem. Okay. You come in my house without my permission. Good. Go sue. I don't want to tell you. I've told you why I came in. I ain't letting you shoot me. You understand that? I don't have a gun. Do How I? do I know you don't have a gun? Look at me. How do I know you don't have a gun? Yourself? Look at me, sir. Do not raise your voice to me. You See that? Okay. Now the cop went from a civil violation to a purely criminal violation. At that point, now the homeowners demanded this trooper to leave, and the trooper decides not to peacefully. Here it is. Out of my house. No, I will not. You do not have a right to come in. Here. You will not raise your voice to me. You understand we just me? Bought that phone. I don't care what you just bought. You you went down there pounding on the freaking church door, what? acting like a fool. I'm not going to deal with that. You, you understand me? You're not going to raise your voice to me. You just 
in our house. Right. That's right, because I am not getting shot. You understand me? If you don't have any more complaints, we're going to go. I'll have a warrant on you later for disturbing the church service. Anything else, sir? Yes. Okay, well, let's hear it. I'm going to charge That's fine. That's awesome. My name is Trooper Wiseman. Follow all the charges you want. You understand? You have to have a warrant to enter my home. Actually, I don't. Why don't you have your law? You do. Well, then guess what? You get to sue and you get to complain. We'll go from there. This could have, have been a handled day. a lot better. Can, can you don't shake you walk behind me. No, please shake my hand. Please, sir. Will you shake my hand, sir? What's your name? A badge number. Raymond. Don't close my door. This is my house. What is your name? Sir? Oh. Get, get out. Leave right now and don't ever come back. Ow! You broke my fingers. Feckless, coward-ass policeman. Bullying individuals because he's drunk on power. Put up this picture again. Now, there's no video of that last part, granted. But we have video of everything else. What we clearly see is an abuse of authority. We clearly see a criminal violation. We clearly see multiple civil violations. The West Virginia State Trooper Rick Wiseman appears to have been with the state police at least since 2018. According to a report, his annual income is about $70,000 a year. He gets paid way more than the average state police officer, which is rated at 56,000. On Reddit, one of the Reddit users also stated that Trooper Wiseman may have received a Trooper of the Year award at some point. Beyond a blog post by a civil rights lawyer, this incident doesn't appear to have made the news anywhere. We're still looking. Let's put up a picture of the head West Virginia police. His name is Colonel Jan Cahill. Despite the department's Facebook page being flooded with comments about Trooper Wiseman, there has been no statement issued by the good Colonel or anyone acknowledging the evidence of this video. Well, we're gonna change that, okay? Now, here's what I'm encouraging people to do. First of all, if you live in West Virginia, damn it, this should not happen in your state. You pay taxes there. These individuals are accountable to you, contact the West Virginia police. As for uh, this individual, uh, Trooper Rick Wiseman, okay? I know people like you. I know individuals who decide to throw around the power like this, okay? Because truly you're weak. You really know who you are, a nobody. That badge and that gun, they empower you. Now, I can imagine if you treated this family the way you did, how you treat black folks you come in contact with. So we want to stop this before it becomes something. AB, you're in law school, you see these violations, you know good and damn well he had no probable cause or anything else to go inside of that home. And then to make matters worse, he actually engaged in criminal conduct against the individual who's the homeowner. Give us your thoughts on this. Absolutely. I'm wondering how you become trooper of the year when you don't even know the basic fundamental constitutional right that you cannot enter into a citizen's home without a warrant unless an exception applies. 
here, I didn't see any exceptions, right? We didn't see an imminent threat of any sort. He said he was concerned that they may have a gun and shoot him, but you didn't feel that threatened because you still went to those people's house right. with that threat possible. We didn't see any major property damage. Banging on the church door does not seem like it's major property damage to me. So when there's no exception, why were you in their home? Yeah, uh, and at this point, no one has officially responded to the matter. The video is out there. We hope to get a response after the show today. All right. Yep. AI software being developed to make people sound whiter, I kid you not. So Silicon Valley, of course, there's a startup called Sanus, has a lofty goal. The goal is to make call center workers sound more like white people, no matter what country they are from. Here's a demo of the software. Hi, this is Alex from the customer service aid. How are you today? Great to hear, I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for asking. So how can I help you today? I'm so sorry about that. I'll be glad to help you. Can I get your full name, phone number and address to check in on that order? Do you happen to have the order number so I can bring up your order? Thank you. Let me check on the status of your order. Please give me a minute to check on that. All right, let's dig into it. Um, since it's August 2021 launch, Sanus has been showered with funding from investors amid a trying time for the tech industry. The Accent Translation Company, founded by three former Sanford students, snagged a 32 million series a funding round in June 2022 which they claim is the largest ever for a speech technology service, big money. One press release boasts that the investors who tried the service called it, and I quote, magical. Eventually, the company wants to expand beyond call centers by changing accents of consumer video and audio calls. Sanis has even mentioned an interest in film and television. New voices are in the works too, someday workers accents may be translated into Southern drawl. Yep, Southern drawl, isn't that interesting? Uh, we're not sure exactly, and let, let me say this. We're not sure exactly where the line starts and stops because there's similar technology that has been around for some years, right? Now this is that technology being utilized in a more formal and professional manner and obviously more updated. Um, so at this point, the Southern drawl for caller in Louisville uh, or a Midwestern um, accent for someone in Cleveland instead of a more generic standard American English. And so they're trying to do this thing in, in a way that's you know tailor-made, I guess. Put up the picture of the guy behind it, he's the president. All right, this is the president. His name is Marty Sarim. He told, uh, he said, and I quote, we don't want 
to say that accents are a problem because you have one. They're only a problem because they're, they cause bias and they cause misunderstandings. So the promise of Sanus seems to be that callers will be more polite and more amenable to being helped if they think the person on the other end is more like them. An expert actually disagrees, that's complete hogwash. Winfred Poster, who's a professor of sociology at Washington University has done extensive research on call center workers, including how they experience harassment and what they try to do to mitigate it. On the surface, it reflects communication difficulty, people not being able to understand someone else's speech. But really, it's coded for a whole bunch of other issues about how accent triggers racism. That's what it does, it triggers racism. So when an individual hears someone on the other side that may not sound like them, well, they get upset or irritated because of their own internal bias, their own internal racism. And instead of challenging those individuals to transform to a better version of themselves, we would simply prefer to de-evolve to a worse version of us. That doesn't make sense. That's not how you fix things in a society. AB, what are your thoughts on this? Well, how about this? Why don't we just pay Americans um, the proper wages that they deserve to do these jobs so that we don't have to send them overseas and we don't even have to worry about this, right? We don't have to be concerned about biases because the people who will answer the phone will just be Americans. Interesting note. All right, we got more on the other side is indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me remind everybody about Unbossed with Nina Turner. This is going to be remarkable, all right? Make sure you tune in, get ready daily, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time. That's starting October 17th. Our dear sister will expose how elites in government, media and other sectors game the system and what people can do to fix that. All right, looking forward to it. Let me read a couple of comments. Um, Chicago Goodnight Beer Dragon says, the police insist they have the right to kill us. I find that a bit scary, don't you? First off, how do you arrest for drunk driving when you aren't driving? Probable cause was suspect to start with. It was a bad bus gone wrong, I guess, sleeping while black is illegal and obviously very deadly. Um, a very stable photographer says, more despicable trash humans posing as police. I'm talking about the West Virginia cop. And let's go to YouTube. Juice came and says, cops as usual making an innocuous situation lethal, sleeping man in the car gets shot in the back. Yeah. And Twitch, I am Sock says, the cop is speed running through violating constitutional rights. I mean, that West Virginia cop was going line by line, every single right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You wanna call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're right. Back off.
Yeah, there's a backstory to this. Here it is. You heard me? Y'all better do something about it. I'm calling the police on him right now. I just walked across the street to get something to eat. You run me over. It was at this moment that he knew he f***ed up. There's more. Okay. Put up the graphic <laughs> of this individual. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Listen, he got his ass kicked. I, I get that. And I do not condone violence. All right, I got to say that for TV. This is a public service announcement here. It is not a good idea. As a matter of fact, it is adverse to your health to go to an establishment and call black people the N word. And expect there not to be a response from at least one person, just not a good look. Now, obviously, this individual seemed to be extremely intoxicated. But once again, intoxication does not make you racist. It simply may remove a barrier or two. And your racism will shine brightly. AB, thoughts here? I mean, he made that statement with his whole chest down to his yeah. root chakra, and then that family just snatched it right off his body. And you know what? I don't condone violence either, but sometimes you got to make an example so these people know. Watch him out. Yeah, and listen, many jurisdictions would consider this to be what's called inciting violence, right? Because you knew the word you would use would likely lead to a physical altercation. You can, in fact, incite violence, that's exactly what he did here. It's unfortunate because once again, all he had to do is state his argument, leave. That's it, the whole I gotta be racist now thing, not good for you, sir. All right, got something for you, double dose. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're gonna feel back off! I said a couple African-American men threatening my life. Sir, what? Well, sir, do you need some help? Yeah, you get the f away from me, you son of a bitch. Why are you so mad all of a sudden? I blocked your attack. Because you're a Sir, don't you, now you know what you did, right? If you want to return your car, you don't have to be so angry. Get away from me. Sir, that was really a poor throw. I didn't even have to block that one. I've got these cool. They're like a boomerang, but it's only it doesn't come back to me. It just sticks on lazy bones. All right, see if I can block this one. I see you're going to. Uh-oh, he's balling it up. Yeah. Well, you are in, want to go back to throwing school, sir? I got some late, uh, some, he's How like, long are you gonna play this game, until you take your car back. Get the Get the sir, would you like to take your car back? Can I have a kiss, please? No. Why not? Punch in the face what you're gonna get. Don't do that. That's against the law. How about this? Since you're you. No, I'm not. I'll put one on the back here. So it's... Stop it. 
sir. Stop it right now. You stop it. Stop it right now. You stop. I'll point my finger at you too, sir. But see, what I'm doing is I'm being nice. Why are you so angry? Because you're. But sir, the person who leaves the card out is a jerk. A jerk face, lazy bones. Then what? Are you going to take your card back this time? Well, you've learned your lesson. I got more video. Okay, this is about the male Karen here not returning his cart, being as the recorder says, a lazy bone. And so he's trolling the guy. Oh, and it gets even more interesting. Here it is. Well, you've learned your lesson? No, I haven't. Why not? Because. You seem like you'd be a good dramatic actor. You're very uh, emotional and engaged. I'm not acting. Well, I can tell that, unfortunately. Why do you call me names? I'm calling you nice things. Like, I mean, I just say lazy bones. You're a neutral. Gotcha. I got your, got your rear quarter panel there, sir, because I'm an excellent thrower, unlike uh, yourself. Oh, they don't deserve that in their mailbox, sir. Here, I got some more for you. Get out of here! Get the f out of here! Or else what? Stop following me! I blocked your attack. Stop! See, you, should, you, should, you shouldn't tell, tell, telegraph your punches so much, sir. You, you had your fist up like that, so I knew which way it was coming from. That's my mag. It's my flag, unless you want it. Sir, my butt cheeks are very tight. Man, that was entertaining as hell. Okay. Um, I mean, the young fella doesn't like it when people don't return their cards, damn it. All right? Okay. The reason why this is such a hilarious video is because of the response of the male Karen. And then I have to note him opening the door from the outside every time, phew, priceless. AB, thoughts on this? Well, I guess he used so much of his energy opening up the door, you know, <laughs> to, he couldn't put his car back. I will always put my car back now after this. I never want to go through this. But this just goes to show you the entitlement that Karen, these Karens feel, right? Like this man is telling you, just be a good citizen, what you want the whole world to do. And you don't even have the decency to put your cart back. So I think he got what he deserved. Um, I'm entertained, I'm, I'm here for it. That was that, a good way to handle it. That, that was fantastic. Yeah. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone about joining Indisputable. If you're on YouTube right now, you can actually join and become a member of Indisputable, of the entire team, outfit, everything, all right? Three levels to choose from. We're excited to continue to grow the membership. We have exceeded over 1 million combined subscribers on YouTube and Facebook Watch. Very thankful for the support. All right, okay. Let's read some comments. Urban Hermit says, so wrong, so satisfying. Talking about the um, male Karen who said the N word. Tall glass of shut up juice um, says, I love this troll. By the way, I always put my cart back. Yep. Tracy Ravenhawk, those are what we call fighting words. C. Michael Henson, thank you, C. Michael. Racist male Karens are always trying to ice skate uphill. 
don't drink and drive, don't drink and be racist around black folk, you go. Uh, <laughs> Antoine Melville says, I blocked your attack. Yeah, Twitch. Um, Agnostic Sister says, that is a huge pet peeve of mine, talking about not returning the car. Got you. Okay, what if I told you a GOP candidate said, it's okay to kill gay people, was running for office, was a credible candidate. And let's put his picture up for a mass here. I got some background, Scott-esque, 56 years of age. When asked recently about his statements referencing stone and gay people, he did not disavow his comments. Scott ran for election to the Oklahoma House of Representatives to represent District 87. Thankfully, he lost the Republican primary runoff. But remember, credible candidate, pretty well funded and forced to runoff. In 2013, good old Scott here was commenting in a Facebook conversation about the Pope and said he couldn't judge gay people. Scott posted some Bible quotations, including the part of Romans 1 where the Bible says that a long list of people who sinned are worthy of death. Uh, what Scott left out is that it included people that you know lie and other things. It's an interesting quote. Uh, when asked about this, Scott said, this was a quote, Adam Bates says, so just to be clear, you think we should execute homosexuals by stoning and to think people are worried about the Muslims taking over, ha ha. Uh, Scott says, I think we would be totally in the right to do it. That goes against some parts of libertarianism, I realize. And I'm largely libertarian, but ignoring as a nation things that are worthy of death is very remiss. Let's put his picture up again. So according to his religious ideology, his understanding of theology, his understanding of spirituality, he believes that people should simply kill other individuals who have a different way of life than he does. That's what he believes. Interesting to note, once again, he does have significant support in the GOP. Have you heard of any leader in the Republican Party denouncing him? No, the man has literally advocated for murder. Nobody is coming against him. Nobody is saying this guy does not belong in our party. Nobody is challenging him to say, stop saying these ridiculous things, not in his own party. A year later, a journalist posed the question about those comments when he was running for office. Here it is. What I will tell you right now is that that was done in the Old Testament under a law that came directly from God. And in that time, there was it was totally just, it came directly from God. Um, I have no plans to uh, you know, reinstitute that in uh, Oklahoma law. Uh, I do have uh, you know, some very huge moral misgivings about uh, uh, those kinds of sins. And I think that those kind of sins will uh, not do our country any good. And it certainly doesn't do anything to preserve the family. You know, killing people does not preserve the family um, and advocating for killing people does not help the country. But once again, those points are lost on people like him. 
That's why I say clearly God gave me a brain before he gave me a book. After those comments, he put out a long video where he claimed he sets the record straight. In those videos he claimed he was, he has compassion on anybody in the grips of an addiction such as homosexuality. That's what he calls it, he says an addiction. Let's go to the next one. I consider there is and always has been help for uh, homosexuals wanting to get out of homosexuality. And I consider that it's an, an addiction, a, a very insidious one that's challenging. You know, any addiction is hard to come out of. Any Christian uh, should be in the position to say that this is sin or this is good. Um, and if we don't make that distinction, we're not gonna help people. Uh, some states are uh, having uh, homosexual marriage uh, enshrined, and you can see what happens in those states uh, that they become unstable. Their family becomes very much in danger. Children become unprotected from these kind of predations. Part of the benefit of uh, getting the government out of uh, education, sex education, is handled by quite a bit differently than in public schools. Uh, the militant homosexual groups are not allowed to be a big part of that like they are in the public uh, education industry. Because um, let's face it, uh, homosexuals cannot reproduce, so they have to recruit if they're gonna replenish their numbers. Uh, I have compassion on anybody who is in the grips of an insidious uh, addiction, such as homosexuality, and uh, wish to help them. I never did move for uh, expanding the death penalty to, uh, to discourage that. Just silly, ridiculous, um, not factual. But once again, ideology like this is supported in the Republican Party. We do not have a religious government. As a matter of fact, the framers of the Constitution, as flawed as they were, were fleeing people like him. They did not want religious or theocratic rule. They wanted a secular government. Secular government dictates a secular position when it comes to dynamics like this. There's a distinct distinction, there's a distinct separation, excuse me, and it should remain. But individuals like him would like to blur the lines. They wanna make their religious belief law. There's more. In another video, which was from earlier this year, Esk called a local TV news report on his comments, called it a hit piece on the fact that I had an opinion against homosexuality. Here it is. Channel 4 a few days ago came up with a hit piece on the fact that I had an opinion against homosexuality. Well, does that make me a homophobe? Maybe some people think it does, but as far as I and many of the people, the voters of House District 87 are concerned, it simply makes me a Christian. Christians believe in biblical morality, kind of by definition, or they should. I'm aware of how homosexuality was handled in the Old Testament. Uh, it was commanded by God to put homosexuals to death in the Old Testament. And even in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 1, it says that homosexuality is a sin worthy of death. I'm not for expanding the death penalty in Oklahoma uh, for homosexuality, but it, the fact remains that it's much more offensive knowing what obscene things homosexuals do with each other than it is for somebody to hold a view that it is indecent. 
Let's put up his picture again, full mass. Let me remind everyone that we have covered a few preachers and Christians and Christian evangelicals who have been completely anti-homosexual lifestyle. They have been pro-violence against those who are in the LGBTQ community. We have seen that from people like Jesse Lee Peterson and others. Well, come to find out they happen to be gay. Which it would not surprise me if this individual happened to be gay himself, based on recent reporting. There's more. The Oklahoman recently was asked about those comments. He refused to do an interview and pointed out the Oklahoman who to the two videos, I've stood up for what is right in the past. He says, and I intended on, I intend to in the future, and I'm and I am right now. He stated. That's got me in trouble. The media, not my friends, as far as I'm concerned. All right, he did not win his election yesterday. He did force a runoff, still remains very credible within the GOP ranks. But once again, he's not the only person with the ideology. There are other people that believe just like he believes. It's unfortunate, but real. AB, thoughts here. Well, I think it's a good thing he didn't win because he clearly doesn't understand his job. We are not governed by the Bible, we are governed by the Constitution. Therefore, you don't get to make those types of decisions about how people live their life. And I think there's also this misconception that you're painting the picture that same sex couples don't reproduce or they don't have healthy marriages and that's inaccurate. So I think even if he disagrees with how people choose to love, he needs to be realistic about where his personal stance and his religious stance Start to blur how we govern our states and our country. Yeah, I'm very, glad well didn't win. very well said. A Nazi, yep, a neo Nazi gets 15 years for attacking a black DJ at a bar. Let's put up the picture of the establishment this happened at. The United States Justice Department announced on Tuesday that the DOJ Civil Rights Division has secured now a third conviction of a neo-Nazi who beat a black DJ at a Linwood, Washington bar. This actually occurred in 2018. Randy Smith, 42 years of age, was found guilty, pleaded guilty to committing the hate crime for his participation in the assault of TS, a black man at the rec room bar and grill in 2018. In his plea agreement, Smith admitted that at the time of the assault, he was a member of a white supremacist support group. On December 8, 2018, Smith entered a bar in Linwood, Washington with others, including fellow support group members, as well as members of a high level or higher level white supremacist group, as it's described. Smith wore clothing and patches indicating his group membership and gave a Nazi salute as he entered the bar. While inside, Smith assaulted TS, a black man who was serving as the disc jockey at the bar. Because he believed that TS was was being disrespectful to the members of the white supremacist groups. Smith repeatedly punched TS while others punched, kicked, and or stomped on TS and called TS racial slurs. As a result of the assault, TS suffered bodily injuries. Two bystanders attempted to intervene to help TS and stop the assault. Both bystanders were assaulted by members of this white supremacist gang and both sustained injuries. Now, I do have more. I just would like to make a note, um, this is routine in media where they will refer to a white supremacist gang or terrorist group, terrorist organization 
as just a group or white supremacist rather than calling it a gang. This is a gang by all definitions, all categories, this is a gang. They operate as a gang. Rarely do you see them prosecuted under the gang statute, which would allow for, let's say, loose connections to be tighter in the prosecution process. In addition to the hate crime charge, Smith pleaded guilty to making false statements to FBI agents about circumstances surrounding the assault. Specifically, Smith falsely claimed to the agents that he did not remember anyone calling TS a racial slur during the assault. This statement was false. In that Smith knew he and others called TS racial slurs before, during and after the assault. Smith made this false statement to the FBI because he wanted to cover up the motive for the assault, which was the bias that he and the others had against TS's race. <clears throat> the reason why that part was so important, because some people may see this and say, well, that seems to be a small detail. It's a huge detail because the federal government cannot even get involved unless they can prove it's a hate crime prerequisite. Yeah, I know that sounds silly, but it's true. They have to be able to prove that this was done for a particular motive for them to even get involved in a case like this. And that motive has to be hate related, race, gender, etc. Smith was charged in an indictment that was unsealed in 2020. The seven count indictment also charged three other men, each aiding and abetting one another with punching and kicking TS while making derogatory comments about his actual and perceived race. The indictment further charged Smith and the three other men with assaulting two men who tried to intervene to protect TS during the attack, as well as with making false statements to the FBI during the course of their investigation. Two of these three men, Jason DeSimas and Daniel Dorson, previously pleaded guilty in this matter. Smith will be sentenced on November 18th. He also pleaded guilty of unlawful possession of a firearm in Oregon. This was back in 2020. My point is these groups exist. They're permeating the culture. They are typically well protected by local law enforcement. Is it not ironic that it wasn't the state police or the local police that prosecuted this case, but the Department of Justice? Okay, AB thoughts here. Yeah, I think this goes well with the point um, that was brought up earlier about who the laws are intended to prosecute and who the laws are intended to protect, right? Um, Because like you said, this had to go through the federal government, through the DOJ in order to get prosecuted. And there was clear bias, there was clear racism, um, there were multiple crimes committed here. So I think we really need to be a little more proactive and then I'm Glad we're having this conversation. I'm glad that he was sentenced. But having more of a conversation about why aren't these Nazi terrorist groups charged under gang statutes and RICO statutes like other defendants have been with who are involved in organizations, right? And we see what type of crimes they're committing. So I really hope that this starts to broaden that conversation and gets us to look at legislation to start changing these things. Very well said. Very well said. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Okay, Uh, don't forget Shop TYT, make sure you check out Shop TYT. For every order that has an item font, uh, Feminist AF Collection, the Shop TYT store will donate $5 to Planned Parenthood. This promotion is an honor of Women's Equality Day, which is coming up on the 26th, okay? 
So the promotion starts today, so make sure you check us out, shoptyt.com. A lot of great indisputable merch as well, all right? Good stuff out there. Let's go to the comments. Mo Fury says, libertarians are supposed to want to be left alone. Going after someone for minding their own business is literally opposite of the libertarian definition. Just more right wingers making words mean what they want them to mean. That's exactly right. He claims to be a libertarian. Libertarians are basically hands off, right? Live and let live type people, but not him. Uh, uh, Jermaine Smith, senior, thank you so much. Welcome to Indisputable. We appreciate that. Let's go to Galifer 71. Uh, so now the KKK and other white supremacist organizations are support groups. Exactly. All right, black police officer decides to uh, report misconduct of other cops. Guess what happens? He gets demoted, he gets walked out the building, a lot of bad things. Let me take you to Kansas City, Missouri. A black detective alleges that he was actually punished for reporting another officer's misconduct. Sounds familiar? Let's get into the background. Until about six months ago, author William Ham, 52, was a member of the Drug Enforcement Administration's Kansas City Interdiction Task Force for 16 years. 16 years, until he decided to speak out after, after another detective violated a person's rights. So here you got author, good cop, been there a long time, knows the ropes, knows people, knows the culture. And he decides to report a detective who is violating the rights of another citizen. According to author, the lawsuit filed by this cop in Jackson County Circuit Court, the other detective who performed an illegal search was never punished. But he was demoted, stripped of his drug enforcement agency credentials, his department laptop and vehicle and escorted out of the building. The experience was degrading and embarrassing, and I felt like a criminal, according to Officer Willingham. Well, once again, the culture of policing is that of, let's say, the culture of gang activity or the culture of the mafia. When you decide to do the right thing and report on their criminal conduct, they treat you like what? The criminal, because you have gone adverse to the culture. You may be aligned with policy, but you are adversarial to their culture. What you're doing is protected on paper, but it is not protected in sentiment and inside of the culture of that department. You see, if there were actually way more good cops than bad cops as they would like us to believe, keep this in mind. If there were more good cops than bad cops, that means by definition of culture that the good cops would make the bad cops feel uncomfortable. If this was about numbers, the good cops would outrank the bad cops. The good cops would be in supervisory positions, not the bad cops. You see, I'm painting a picture here. You can't have it both ways. Either most of you are good or most of you are not. And for those cops who watch the show, if you're one of those who say, well, Doc, I don't get involved in violating the rights of others, but I'm not going to become a rat against other cops. Well, you're a bad cop. Please keep in mind, evil exists because good men, good women sit back and do nothing. You're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Don't think you're good 
just because you're not the one physically shooting somebody in the back. If you protect the culture, the blood is in your on your hands too, okay? Um, Williamham, who is black, obviously believes that the demotion was a retaliation for reporting the unethical behavior and part of the Kansas City Police Department's pattern of racial discrimination. He filed the lawsuit against the Kansas City Board of Police Commissioners, a panel that oversees the department. Let's put up all of these commissioners, every single one of them. Members of the board, first row left to right, Bishop Mark Tolbert, Commissioner Kathy Dean, Commissioner Don Wagner, and then second row left to right, Commissioner Don Kramer, Mayor Quentin Lucas, and Secretary slash Attorney David Kenner. Those are your overseers. The incident that led to the misconduct, here it is. The black detective said that he and another detective were scanning a Greyhound terminal as part of a federal task force last October when a canine led them to two suitcases in the luggage compartment of the bus. Police searched the two suitcases with the owner's permission, found no narcotics. However, Williamham said as they were putting the luggage back, he saw the other detective manipulating a separate duffel bag in an attempt to fill its contents. Upon observing the illegal search, plaintiff questioned his fellow detective about his illegal conduct. To which he replied, what plaintiff observed was not what he usually does, the lawsuit says. Pursuant to KCPD's policy, plaintiff immediately informed his sergeant and prepared a memorandum describing the illegal behavior that he witnessed. What did he do? He followed the policy. He followed the policy. He's been a cop for 16 years. He followed the policy, did a report, filed the report, and gets demoted, stripped, ridiculed, walked out of the building. As I've said before, culture eats policy alive every day of the week, no matter what. And you gotta stop thinking reform only. You gotta start thinking replacement. These cats are rotten to the core. Willingham alleges, that was not the only or not the first time someone complained about that particular detective. He was told that the detective received an instructional notice, but had no discipline. As a task force officer working with the DEA's office, Williamham submitted federal cases for review. Let's go to the background of that. In January, he submitted a case to the US Attorney's Office where he warned the narcotics unit chief of critical information about one of the detectives that he should be aware of. Williamham was legally required to include discoverable evidence with the file. Williamham said he found out about two weeks later that federal prosecutors rejected the case. Four days later, he was transferred to the investigations bureau to the patrol unit. While they opened an investigation into his conduct, Williamham's superiors accused him of, and I quote, conduct that might compromise the integrity and thus undercut the public confidence and violate policy on releasing personnel information. Who's the interim chief of police right now with this outfit? Put him up, look at that. His name is Joseph, Joseph Maven, okay? The department said on August 12th that Williamham is currently a detective in the investigations bureau. The department also issued this statement regarding the lawsuit. It says, and I quote, we want to assure the public 
that the KCPD is committed to ensuring a fair and equitable workplace free from harassment or discrimination. Also regarding investigative requirements and guidelines, we are very familiar with the requirements of the 14th Amendment and have several layers of supervisory accountability and review within our department as a part of the investigative partnership with our federal partners. All right, you see what's happening here. Good guy, bad culture, good guy, right policy, adverse environment. Good cop tries to do the right thing and he's excommunicated by the bad culture in his police department. AB thoughts here. If this does not expose that there is an issue in the Kansas City Police Department, then I have no idea what is. Okay, that officer had an obligation to protect and serve, and he did so to the community that he is servicing right now. When you have a constitutional violation, the department is obligated to handle that appropriately, and I don't think they did so in this case. So I hope there's a full investigation into their department. Yeah, and this also shifts the narrative. There are not way more good cops than bad cops. You cannot claim just because you're not actively involved in violating the civil rights of others that you are somehow a good cop when you protect the culture of bad police. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we have a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments, kind of pressed for time. Mika C, the Silverhead Dragon says, this is why there are so few good cops. When they follow the law, they're fired, harassed out of the department or sent on a dangerous job and get no backup. You're absolutely correct. Not only was he demoted, stripped of authority, they then opened an investigation into him. I mean, how cruel is that, right? Okay, Uh, thank you, uh, Jermaine Smith, uh, indisputable. I think I already mentioned that, but thank you again. And YouTube, Wild Light Arts, he was brave and ethical to do it, talking about the black cop that reported misconduct. This is messed up, not surprising, but nonetheless, the criminals were the ones escorting him out of the building. Isn't that interesting? All right, Walmart has to pay $4.4 million because one of their employees discriminated against a customer. Let's put up the picture of the black male and his attorney. That is Michael Magnum. This is an interesting story. A jury in Oregon, they have awarded Mr. Michael Mangum $4.4 million in damages after he claimed in a lawsuit that a Walmart employee racially profiled him while shopping and tried to have law enforcement act on false charges according to court documents. Mr. Mangum was awarded $400,000 in non-economic damages and $4 million in punitive damages. That means the court decided to punish Walmart. This happened Friday according to a news release issued by his attorney Sunday. Walmart told CNN in a written statement that it does not tolerate discrimination and that the verdict is excessive and not supported by the evidence. So Walmart is pushing back. So according to a spokesperson for Walmart, uh, Randy Hargrove said, and I quote, uh, Mr. Uh, Mangum was never stopped by Walmart's asset protection. Okay, that's really a distinction without a difference, and I will explain why in a minute. He says, Mr. Mangum was not stopped by Walmart's asset protection. He interfered with our associates as they were surveilling and then stopped confirmed shoplifters, and then refused to leave despite being asked to repeatedly by our staff. 
and the county deputies. We are reviewing our options, including post-trial motions. Well, damn, isn't that something? So their defense is, well, listen, it wasn't loss prevention who did it. But it was people that worked for Walmart. Isn't that an interesting defense? Well, it wasn't our security that did this. It was just our regular ass employees. So I don't see what the issue is here. How do we get found guilty of this? All right, Mangum, who was 59, was 59 at the time of this, went to Walmart in Wood Village, Oregon. This was March 26, 2020, to look for a light bulb for his refrigerator. His attorney said in the news release, noticing that he was under surveillance by Walmart loss prevention employee, Mangum objected, believing he was being racially profiled. He was correct. The employee ordered Mangum to leave the store, to leave the store. But he refused, according to the release. The employee said he would call the police and tell them that Mangum had refused or had threatened to smash him in the face. The release said. The county sheriff's deputies did arrive to the store. They decided not to take any action. Now, this is interesting. They took no action due to the, and I quote, shifting explanations as to why the employee called. That's an important factor here. And because of the employee's reputation for making false reports to the police, the attorney said in a news release. So what do you have here? You have a Karen working at Walmart. The officers are aware this person makes false police reports on people. They said this person had a reputation. Not only did they have a reputation for doing things like this, there was inconsistencies in the story. And so they decided not to arrest the black male who was being lied on by this employee. In a deposition clip given to CNN by Mangum's attorney, the county sheriff, shift commander Sergeant Brian White said he and his deputies on his shift had become, and I quote, extremely frustrated with a pattern of behavior that they had identified in the employee calling 911 to report dangerous active situations such as customers physically assaulting him or loss prevention employees or other Walmart employees while trying to steal. And then the deputies determining that it never actually happened. Okay, so they made the right determination, the deputies did. Even though they made the right determination about the black male who was being targeted, they made the right determination about the employee who called the police, they still came out with the wrong conclusion. You see, when you file a false police report, that's an arrestable offense. And the fact that they were aware that this person had done it multiple times and still there was no civil nor criminal penalty is baffling to me. In addition to that, when you decide to lie to the police, that's called obstruction of justice. However, they were not charged, this person was not charged with obstructing justice, not even the misdemeanor statute that is allowable. So while yes, they made the right call as it relates to the African American male who was being targeted, they made the wrong call as it relates to the employee who did the targeting. Let's put up a picture of the sheriff, his name is Mike, Mike Reese told CNN his agency treats people with dignity and respect. Our deputies, he said, and I quote, have a fair and balanced approach to criminal investigations. I am pleased with how our members responded and assessed the allegations being made in this situation. They recognize inconsistencies in the college report and in past interactions. All right, AB. If you call the police and you file false reports so much that the cops already know who you are, why has this person never been charged with a civil nor criminal offense for doing so? It's not so much that I plead the fifth, but they probably look a lot like mm. 
it probably looks just like that. And my thing is, it's interesting how Walmart wants to throw their hands up and say, "Oh, it's just our employee." But you yeah. have an employee who has made multiple false police reports, right? And so, at what point does Walmart step in and say, "Maybe we should not"? be on duty with this particular employee because it's gonna cost us some money. So Mr. Mag, I, I walked in for a light bulb, came out with four, four million. Yeah, exactly, and keep in mind, yeah, Walmart is still defending the actions of this individual, it's insanity. Okay. Hell of a story, a former deputy sheriff, who also happened to be the son of a sheriff, gets caught up in a drug bust, but somehow avoids charges altogether. Uh, let's just go ahead and put up the pictures here, full mass. Very interesting, former Louisiana sheriff's son was implicated in a massive drug bust, but has avoided arrest after resigning from his position as a sheriff's deputy. So on the left, you have Travis Torres, the son of former uh, Sheriff Bud Torres on the right was implicated in one of the largest drug busts in the parish's history. Yet, there has been no arrest of this individual. Last week, state police touted the bust that netted 18 pounds of heroin, cocaine, marijuana. At least 12 different individuals were arrested, but one name, one name was left off. That was Travis Torres. Employment records obtained by the WBRZ investigative unit show Torres resigned his seven year post as a Iberville Parish Sheriff's deputy, August 9, 2022. Days later, a bunch of top cops from the state of Louisiana held a news conference at the parish displaying what they took off the streets. Hey, look at us guys, we're getting drugs off the street. Let's hold a press conference, make an example, show people we're big and bad. But then, wait a minute, if you're big and bad, why, why didn't you lock up the cop that was involved? There's more. Sources told the investigative unit that a wide net was cast, which hooked Deputy Torres. He avoided being arrested, even though sources said he was involved in the purchasing of some of the drugs on Tuesday. Our sources are questioning if that cozy relationship allowed Torres to avoid any consequences so far. WBRZ asked Louisiana State Police why Torres's name was left out of the news conference. We also wanted to know if he was given special treatment. So we got a statement from the Louisiana State Police. They were issued a statement directly to the local news agency. It says, and I quote, as part of our ongoing investigation, into illegal narcotics trafficking within Point Coop Parish. Investigators continue to examine the involvement of numerous subjects with additional arrest possible in the case. The news conference and press release listed the names of all individuals who have been arrested to date to satisfy the requirements for an arrest. Troopers had to establish probable cause and obtain an arrest warrant for these individuals prior to their arrest. Although identified in the investigation, sufficient probable cause was not developed to seek the arrest of Mr. Torres at this time. However, this agency leadership was notified out of an abundance of caution. As additional evidence and probable cause is discovered, troopers will not hesitate to present those findings to the appropriate judge and proceed according to the law. The case remains active and ongoing. All right, here's what's going to happen. All right, I peep gang. They're going to eventually arrest the guy. 
more than likely, only because of the public pressure and scrutiny applied. They tried to get away with it. They are realizing now they cannot. And so their language is clear. Well, you know, if we get more information, if we get more information, we will present it to the judge. And guess what would magically happen in about a week or so? They're gonna get some more information. Torres will be held accountable if public pressure remains steady. All right, AB thoughts here. Well, I think this goes to again highlight the culture of the police departments, right, in different states. And I think this is another reason why we need not only a federal, but a state system that tracks police behavior, tracks any investigations they may be under. Because what we see a lot of times is they resign before they're caught and then they go and hop ship. So if he's not arrested, right, if there's not enough public pressure and say he just slips through the cracks, he's on to the next department and we have this issue all over again. That's right, very well said. My dear sister, always a pleasure having you on Indisputable. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. I am Legally Hype, I'm on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Please make sure to follow me and thank you again for having me. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, Listen, make sure everybody, Twitchuation coming up. Stick and stay for that. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable. Welcome to Indisputable. I'm your host, Dr. Rashad Richard. We got a lot happening today. But what do we do on this show? We tell the truth. You know why we tell the truth? Because the truth is simply indisputable. Rashad, great to be here. Congratulations on the new show. And I gotta let everybody know that Rashad and I go way back. Here's the pattern that we see in all of these Karen stories. They think they own stuff they do not own. Now, where does that come from? I don't know, maybe slavery. Maybe they think they should still own black people. This is what happens when Karens weaponize the police. When you're used to privilege, equality seems like oppression. It hits you in a certain way when someone is holding you against your will, treating you like you're a criminal and you're an innocent person. This is something that black people face no matter where they are. A stronger black economy lends itself to a stronger, greater economy. Don't think it's exclusive of you, it's inclusive of you. What's your beef with critical race theory? It adds more fuel to the fire of the racist tendencies that we already have. We have a generation of problem solvers that can remedy the problem if they are properly taught what the problem is. You know who created redlining in this country? Mm-hmm. The white liberal. I, I, don't, I don't give a damn who created it. If it's no, a racist I, I, policy, I racist policy. Shelly, here's what I don't to. know. I don't know. See, there you go filibustering, brother. You're scared of this truth, but you're gonna get it though.